everyone, and welcome to the Balanced Purpose Podcast. My name is Ray Trevino, and I am your host. Each week, we will explore the essential elements of living a fulfilling, balanced, and meaningful life. Our podcast brings together entrepreneurs, business executives, coaches, and everyday people like you and me who have seen challenges and have overcome adversities to create success and find balance in their lives. Whether you're a young professional seeking to make an impact in your career, a parent looking to balance work and family life, or a retiree seeking to create a new purpose, our podcast is something for everyone. So join us as we delve into the world of living a balanced and purposeful life and discover how you can create a life of balance and purpose for yourself. Today's guest is the president and CEO of Pulmonary. His life passion is helping patients find their first breath again and has been featured on the cover of MD Monthly. I would like to welcome Dr. John Raimondo to our show. John, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and throw in a fun fact that most people don't know about you. All right. Well, thank you for having me here today. I appreciate you guys. I was uh, born and raised in Texas, down in Corpus Christi. Graduated from Texas A&M, went on to uh, Texas Chiropractic College, and then did neurosurgery, orthopedic surgery, rotations, and stuff like that. Got to have a lot of fun. Uh, I used to do manipulation under anesthesia, so I got to work in the surgical room, and I've had uh, a multidisciplinary practice since 1999, so I work with pain management physicians and orthopedics and and stuff like that. And then uh, a few years into that, a good friend of mine had reached out to me, and I started to rent ventilators, which was interesting, like in the early, early 2000s. And shortly after that, one of my customers started talking about this one type of ventilation that cleans the lungs out. It was actually started by the inventor of the ventilator, Dr. Forrest Bird. And soon after that, I was blessed to be able to meet Dr. Bird. And he, he hired me on a handshake. And I worked with the inventor of the ventilator. And that's where pulmonary kind of came from um, for... I would say at least 10 years before he passed. And so I uh, was able to sit at the feet of some pretty amazing physicians and learn about the physics, the physiology, how ventilation occurs, not just in traditional ventilation, but in high frequency percussive ventilation. So we work a lot with burn units and neonatal intensive care units and pediatric units and stuff like that. And that's kind of how pulmonary came about. But I, you know, we have imaging centers and spine and rehab facilities and, and, and pulmonary. I'm a serial entrepreneur is a fun fact. I think people that know me know that, but people that maybe knew me when I was growing up in Corpus probably would be like, what? <laughs> and uh, he's a doctor. What? <laughs> so we used to do a lot of surfing and sports and stuff growing up. A friend of mine, a friend of yours told me uh, maybe about six months ago that uh, my ADHD is my superpower. So there's a, there's a second fun fact. I could truly relate to that. Uh, growing up, I did grow up in Corpus as well. And I was an avid surfer for a very long time. Now I'm, I used to ride a six, four board and now I'm up to 10 foot boards. I'm sure, you know, the knees, knees start, you know, making it a little harder to jump up. Yeah. I use those stand up paddle boards now to, as my longboard. <laughs> so when, when you met uh forest bird and, and started pulmonary, were you still seeing patients at this time? I was at the time, uh, a few other doctors and I had uh, had a clinic in Laredo, and then we opened up a clinic in, in San Antonio. And that's where I started developing the traditional ventilators, right? And I was working alongside of a friend that I'd known for many, many years. And then when I met Forrest, I was transitioning out of seeing patients all the time anyway. It was a little bit before that. I was more in the development. And then I would just consult on tough cases, you know, if we had crush injuries or something like that. But yeah, I was already tra transitioning out and then I was able to focus on actually learning as much as I could about the ventilation world and 
how high-frequency percussive ventilation differed from oscillators and jet ventilation and stuff like that. How exactly does it differ? That's a good question. So uh, high-frequency percussive ventilation basically sends percussive waves of air down the lungs, down the center of the airway, and it gets down to the obstruction and it's percussing the bronchioles as it goes down. So we're popping the bronchioles. Like if you were tapping somebody on the back to help Mm -hmm. them from coughing, well, this is actually happening internally. And then this beaded air goes down and will eventually get to the alveoli where gas exchange occurs. And then a secondary flow will come at the same time. So you have a flow going into the patient and a flow coming out of the patient simultaneously, which is not normal to the way we breathe. We breathe, everything goes in when we breathe in, everything leaves like when we breathe out. So this creates kind of a river effect in the lungs. And so if there's blood or mucus in the lungs, it'll actually bring it up to the upper airways where it can either be suctioned uh, if the patient's intubated or it can be coughed up by the patient if there's a cough reflex. So like an emphysema patient that maybe has some mucus built up or a cystic fibrosis patient, someone with that type of disease that produces mucus, they can actually bring it up from the outer lobes of the lung, not just what's here under our breastplate. So yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. And so that's what differs. So it's the only technology that we can ventilate and oxygenate a patient. We can open up airways, which is called removing out of the lectasis, uh, and then and then mobilizing secretions from the deep lung fields up into the upper airway so it can be excavated. It's the only technology in the world that does all three of those things at the same time. That must feel awesome watching the relief from a patient after going through a, through something like this. I just, in listening to you, I automatically put myself in their shoes and, and my lungs started filling up with mucus and I could feel myself. And then I as you explained how it worked, I felt automatic relief. And I was like, wow, what an altruistic thing to do, right? It's pretty awesome to be around that. Now, growing up, ADHD, surfing, having fun, what made you decide to become a doctor? I got hurt. So I wanted to go to medical school initially. And I got I, I hurt my back really bad before I knew what I actually had done to myself. So much that the guys that we were playing pickup basketball and the guys had to like kind of carry me off over their shoulders kind of thing. And mm-hmm. my back had just locked up, took me to the ground. I know now that it was a disc injury that I had torn up uh, one of my discs in my back, but I didn't know that, but I was tutoring a gentleman in organic chemistry and his sister was a chiropractor and I'd never been to a chiropractor. And so I went to see her. It was free because I had been helping him. And when you're in college, when you're living on beer and ramen uh, <laughs> and that's when they had like four flavors of ramen right? Now they have like 50. Everybody's spoiled in college now with so many flavors of ramen. It's ridiculous. And so anyway, um, it was free. So I was like, yeah, I'll go. You know, I didn't know anything about it. She did some stuff to me, some physical therapy modalities like ultrasound that I know now and some other, you know, I think she used ice and gave me some valerian root extract and um, adjusted me. And then actually she put me in a brace and she just said, hey, wear this for a few hours and then take it off. And when I took it off, I would say at least 80, 90% of my symptoms had resolved. I was still sore, but nowhere like locked up uh, like I was. And so that got me on a path of going, what is, what is this about? You know? And so when I looked at the curriculum and, you know, the classes we took, they take, you know, gross anatomy and pathophysiology and physiology. It's very similar to the medical model and to the DO model, except for they get in more into physical therapy and more holistic remedies than pharmacological. So that's kind of what drew me to that path. Wonderful. Now, 
When we spoke earlier, you were telling me about your family. You have an eight-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old, your great husband, great father, a serial entrepreneur, former surfer, an adventurist. How do you find balance in your life? Well, balance has to start with alignment, I think, you know, because I was trying to balance for many years and it was like grabbing balls and throwing them up in the air and seeing how long I can keep them in the air or spinning plates or whatever. Right. And, and it wasn't, you know, I think Gina Wickman says this in his book, Traction, a vision without a plan is hallucination. Well, I was hallucinating a lot. Right. So I thought I was doing a good job, you know, and you don't know how bad you're doing at something until you actually start to do it more efficiently. And then you look back going, wow, I'm surprised I was even making it. So early on, I met some really smart guys through C12 and other great entrepreneurs. And one of the things they said is, you know, that they that they lived their life. They didn't just say it, but I was watching them and they really talked about and and led with alignment. And so I think once I was able to get my life aligned, then I knew where to spend my time. And then once I started doing that, I could become more efficient. So if I, if I was spending more time at work than on my marriage, well, unless my marriage is below my work and my alignment, then I was making a mistake. So for me, and everybody's alignment can be a little different for me, it's God and my spouse and my kids and my family, and then my, my work. Now what's moved up kind of sometimes in front of work is my kids sports <laughs> because <laughs> we play lacrosse, basketball. So I'm either, you know, I'm either an Uber dad or a doctor or a entrepreneur. I'm, 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 I am, tr- I'm moving the hats around quite a bit now during sports season, but I, I think the sports and work are, I don't know which I'm spending more time with, but, but I think that helped me tremendously with realizing, Hey, you can go through seasons where you're spending more time at work, John, but you can't let that override the time with the family or the time with the boys or the time with my wife or my God time. And so do I get out of alignment constantly? Right. But I'm always course correcting before I get out of whack. And so Mm -hmm. that then brought me into a balance because I made a priority that was going to do God as best I could, my wife as best I could and so forth. And so then the other things in life, you don't have time for them. Right. You know, you've seen the experiment where they take golf balls and they put them in to a thing and then they put pebbles and they put sand and then they add water. So mm-hmm. the bigger the bigger things are the bigger things in life. So those big golf balls are things that I, I have prioritized. And then I allow life, sand and water and all those things to kind of fill in, fill in around it. And so sometimes I have to say no to stuff, which I didn't like to do before. But yeah. And then once I have that, I'm able to stay prioritized with where I'm spending my time then I'm less likely to be making these crucial mistakes that I probably would have made without the alignment side. I can completely relate to that. And another thing that I found, and I love that you pointed this out because that the golf ball experiment is truly on point. And you find that everything outside of the golf balls usually causes more anxiety and unnecessary stress in your life that doesn't matter anyway. So that's, that's a great point. And then um, I find it ironic that, you know, your start to your career was with a chiropractor, which is all about alignment. And now you've there you kind, go. Of, <laughs> kind of found your life back, back to alignment. So that's, that's yeah. pretty awesome. I'm going to switch the topic really quick. And I want to talk a little bit about purpose. What do you define as purpose in your life? That's a good question. I, you know, it's changed for me purpose has changed. Um, you know, when I was younger, 
It was career. It was education before that, sports. Purpose for me uh, now is more about this alignment, what we talked about, is trying to, is really keeping things moving forward, always growing, this failing forward. You know, they call it a growth mindset now, but mm-hmm. I didn't know it was called that, you know, a few years ago before. I think Carol Dway with mm-hmm. uh, mindset coined that term, but it's always been like that for me. And so a purpose-driven life, I think, needs, you've got to be in alignment. So if I am driving towards money, I'm going to find the good and the bad things when it's just about the money. If I'm driving things based on a title, doctor, an education title, and all these things, I'm going to find the good and bad with those things. But once I was able to align, then the purpose is move with the purpose is now pretty much my mantra, right? And so I was just talking to a friend that owns Rojo 032, Sergio Luna, last night about that. Because that's one of my quotes that my dad used to say, move with the purpose. And he took it like, well, just have a reason to do something. And I'm like, no, no, no. You need to have something other than yourself as the purpose. Because when I make me about the purpose, self-centeredness, then I lose sight of things. And so I think having a purpose is not self-driven, even though you drive it yourself, but you're driving to serve others. And I think Zig Ziglar said it best. I don't remember his exact quote, but it was something like, you can get everything you want in life if you just give enough other people the things they need, right? And so that's just the purpose. So my purpose is what do I have in front of me and who am I serving at the end of the day? I'm serving a greater God for me. This is, this is my purpose, right? If I'm teaching somebody how to fish or I'm teaching them how to take care of their body through nutrition or fasting, that's my purpose, right? So there's a bigger purpose outside of myself, I think is probably the best way to put it, if I could put it in a way that's understandable. <laughs> I, I think that's perfect. I think that's perfect. And um, in the past couple of weeks, we've heard that Zig Ziglar quote a few times. So I think that the universe is trying to tell me something. So that that is wonderful. Uh, you know, I also heard that the best way to identify a true blessing, because people will people will find money or get money and say, thank you, God, that is such a blessing. Well, the way to identify a true blessing is if that blessing comes with a set of curses, right? Because sometimes you'll get money, but there's always something that's with it. You'll know that that's not a gift or a blessing from above. So mm. I thank I thank you for for sharing that with us now. What led you to to discover your purpose, to to understand or realize that, you know what, my purpose is who's in front of me. My purpose is the alignment in my life. What led you to find that? I remember a pastor once saying, you know, youthfulness is wasted on the youth, right? Because you look back and you're like, man, I could have done that. I could have done this. I could have done this, right? And what it means is, is that I had knowledge without any experience, So I didn't have wisdom, right? You know, early on, I was trying to figure stuff out, right? And I think at the end of the day, people, and I can only speak for myself, I can only make decisions with the information I have in front of me. So I didn't have like this whole map that I was going to have multiple companies doing things for a greater purpose, stewarding God's business. And it's been a development. It's been a growth over the beginning. I've just always kind of said yes try to do my best, try to serve others, right? I, I learned that from coaches, great coaches that I had growing up, my father, family values, the people I was blessed to be around, 
good mentors and stuff like that. And I would always try to learn from other people's mistakes. There's some people I know that have to make the mistake, even though they know that they don't need to. So um, there's just been some things that, that I have done naturally. I've always been interested in business, entrepreneurialism, and I've been very, very competitive. And so I think when you combine all these things together and, you know, I got my education, but not a, to be successful, you don't have to have education. Does that make sense? Like my road was a long road because I have a bachelor's degree in psychology, a bachelor's degree in biology and a doctor in chiropractic medicine. That's not the way to become super successful. That's a long way. And I think in education, I'm not saying don't get educated, but you don't have to have that to be successful. I know a lot of people that have followed success principles that don't have a college degree that are very successful. And it's not just money driven. It's life joy driven. Right. And so I don't know if I answered your question, kind of went off on a tangent. I love it. I think just making decisions with the information that I have in front of me and saying yes, and trying to not chase the shiny things. Cause that was another thing for me. It was, I thought every opportunity was an opportunity for me. And I heard someone talk about Apple and how Apple says no to like 90% of what comes across their table. They want to be experts at what they do. Right. So there's some wisdom to that. And so I've had to navigate through those things throughout the years to come to the season that I'm in now. You know, John, I love the way you said, I thought I had wisdom, but what I had was knowledge without experience. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to keep that for a long time because that right there speaks, it speaks volumes. So I, I had my moment for the day. We're done with the podcast. We're good. Almost, almost. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. Well, here's, here's a good one for you. So, you know, we live in a, in a very fast paced world, a world of darkness, a world of conflict, and it's really easy to become disconnected with everything around us and start to feel overwhelmed with all the darkness and noise. How do you manage to stay grounded and connected to your sense of purpose? Well, once I had kids, it helped a lot, right? I mean, that, that's kind of cheating for me because that really centered me almost like flying an airplane. You know, your life depends on it. You can't be joking around in an airplane when you're flying an airplane. Okay. You can in a car a little bit, but you know, you got to take things seriously. So that's kind of how, what happened when I had kids like that really was like, all right, John, you better start taking these things pretty seriously. But, but outside of that, I think, I think also my, my spouse probably is a big part of that because I go through seasons where I'm so busy I'm ready to stop going to C12, right? And I'm like, only because I'm too busy for the day. And she's like, um, you're not quitting C12. <laughs> That's not an option. You need to go. And then when I go, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, thank God I'm, I went, right? Because I'm around all these wise gentlemen and there's always a word that I hear from one of them or from the message and stuff. So I think staying grounded is important. I think you need to pick your spouse, mm-hmm. someone who you're equally yoked with. I think that's. I think we jump in and out of relationships, at least I did. Didn't take it seriously, but that person is like number two. And if it's number two, you probably should uh, go through an interview process or, so, you know, come up with something that makes sure that you're, you're yoked on a few very important decisions in your life. And one of them is supporting each other. And so my wife's been very, very supportive when, when I've gone through different seasons. And so I think that helps me stay grounded. Obviously my faith has helped tremendously maturing in that as well. And not just, checking off the box that I went to church or checking off the box that I made a donation or checking off the box. It's actually vesting some time in a relationship, which is, I think is really important. And knowing where to spend my time now has, has, has helped ground me because 
if I start to do too many things at work that's pulling my time, then I pull back and I don't get so far out of balance that it hurts to come back. You know, it's not, it's just a more of a one or two degrees course correction versus, Hey, I was 90 degrees going off to the wrong direction for a while with my energy. Right. And I think that has helped tremendously. And then being around other uh, like-minded people, I think, I, I believe there's something to the word when you say like, Hey, you're becoming like the five people you're hanging out with. Mm-hmm. So I try to spend some time with God. We'll see where that takes me. My wife, <laughs> you know, and some and and some positive people that are doing some change for the good in our community, right? You know, and so there's a lot of people in our community that until you start asking around and getting involved, they're doing a lot of good things. And so that negativity that people are perceiving is out there, I don't accept it. And so some people don't agree with it, some people do, but I don't watch the news. I've stopped probably six years ago. Whether it's Fox or CNN or MSNBC, whatever. They all have, my opinion, everybody's got a point of view that they're trying to slam across as hard as they can. And I think we've just gotten so polarized in people's opinions that we've forgotten that real people are actually in the middle that are getting hurt, you know, damaged. Whether it's a business in the middle of it during COVID, we shut down a bunch of businesses. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, really? Like, we hurt businesses. We hurt our economy because we wanted to be polar. If we polarize so much that people can't reach across and say, how can I help you instead of how can I find some dirt on you to throw you up against the wall? You know what I mean? And that's where it's at. So until that, there's a movement of people coming back together. Um, I'm not interested in the news, to be honest with you. And I miss stuff, but, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, some I hear people talking about the border. It's not that I don't care. It's just that, you know, I had a pastor tell me one day, I was like, John, we're not designed to carry cares, but it doesn't mean you can't care. But when I start carrying the weight of the world on me, well, I'm not designed for that. So when I go to a Spurs game, whether I'm in the front row or the nosebleeds, I don't, and people might get mad, but I don't really care if the Spurs win because I like the Spurs. I want them to win, but my relationship with God is not affected by the, whether the Spurs win. My relationship with my wife is not affected by whether the Spurs win. Can I just go down the list? How important, how far down the list do I need to go before the, it needs to be important to the Spurs. Their paycheck relies on it. Mm-hmm. Pulmonary's paycheck doesn't rely on it. You know what I'm saying? So I try mm-hmm. not to vest myself in anything outside of those five or six things that are in my alignment because I just don't have the bandwidth or the energy. So I think once you start to focus and water the grass that you're on instead of looking at somebody else's grass, because all people tend to want to go, oh, what's he got or what's she got or that person's blessed with this. Whatever. If they just look down and water their, their grass and fertilize their yard that they're in, and they're not focused. All the other stuff goes in the periphery for me, you know, and it's not that I don't care. It's just that I'm not going to carry the care. Right. And uh, if God needs me or whatever, I'll jump in and help. I'm not, I got no problems with that. But, but at the end of the day, I think getting distracted, I think Jordan Peterson mentioned it one time to some lady. I remember him getting interviewed and he said, the lady was like, well, what do you think about the environment and all the the pollution and carbon fire, something like that. It was something like that. And he was, and he thought for a little bit. And then he was like, you know, I think you ought to keep your own house clean first, clean your own house before you worry about the world. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you, if we, if we just worry about our own things and we take care of those things, I think the things out there in the world will probably take care of themselves. That was great. That that was a lot of good Good stuff. Uh, and, and yeah, the media outlets, the news, they, they gain their ratings from fear. 
but we but we give them that power. We do. It's because we turn the TV on. We we want to live vicariously through others instead of through ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think, and that's why I think reality TV got so popular. Remember the Real World back mm-hmm. in the day, and was that the '90s or the two? I can't. Remember. It was a long time ago. But the first Real World, right? And that was kind of the, the first social experiment with like people opening up their lives to to stuff, and it and it's quick stardom and fame them right they get they get access to this but but i think the downside is we live vicariously through through other people and then we can tend to idolize them more than we focus on our our own priorities and so um you know i've done it you know everybody's done it it's 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 not wrong it's just uh the things i've made changes in for my life uh that have worked out for the better well, and then it, it creates a sense of false expectation too. And we start expecting things from ourselves, from other people that just aren't realistic, you know, and I, and I love the Jim Rohn quote that you mentioned, we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. It's, it's so true. It's 100% true. And, and, uh, you've mentioned this a couple times and, and I was wondering if you would mind, uh, explaining what C12 is to some of our listeners who haven't heard of that group before it's a secret society of white people who judge you. <laughs> can I say that? Yeah. You can say whatever. You want. I can say whatever I want. We're on the podcast, right? No, but, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but we'll- <laughs> just kidding. C12 Mike. Chirone, no. I have heard that before though. <laughs> I know, but that's what the world probably thinks, but no, it's a, it's an organization that was developed by a, a very humble, wise gentleman, uh, Buck. And, um, I enjoy spending time with him, just sitting at his feet, listening to him talk. But, but uh, it was started with the mind, I think, with you know, with the intent of bringing um, spirituality into business and and live, how does that live out, right? And so there's lessons that we, you know, I meet once a month with a with a group of um, much more experienced entrepreneurs, much more successful in their own right, um, men and women. Uh, we share a table and whatever happens at the table stays at the table. We deal with divorce and all kinds of things that real life things that go through things. And uh, when we go through stuff through horrible seasons, um, we deal with that. But the main thing is, you know, we're, there's lessons in business that we study together and there's lessons from the Bible that we, we study together. Right. And then and then we hold each other accountable. Uh, we interview our spouses. We interview each other's key players in our organization. And then we give a core business presentation once a year and the group speaks into what, what we can keep doing, what we should stop doing maybe. Uh, and that with our company <laughs> and with, with our, with our spouse. And so it's just kind of a 360 uh, check. And I think being around that as it's definitely a humbling experience. Um, and it's, you know, when you have, when you allow other men who have no, bearing on money and you know there's nobody makes any money from what I do and things like that. But when you allow real men who are trying to follow God, like you are to speak into your life, it's, it's very powerful. That's, that's all I can tell you is that when people have your best interest for you and they, they bring their experience in from their life and they can speak truth to you and, and it's foundationally based um, on truth. Um, a lot of incredible things can come out of C12. Uh, it's what you put into it. So I've gone through seasons where I haven't put as much into it and been prepared for stuff when I was so busy. And guess what I got out of it? Not not as much. So the more I'm prepared, the more I do, 
the more uh, more active I am with the group, the more the, the group grows and and vice versa, I grow with it. So that's C12. And you can look them up and probably get a pretty good idea on, on their website. Fantastic group. In, in all the work that you do, uh, you are truly an altruistic person. You serve like no one other. I know you did a lot of work during COVID mm. uh, as well that helped many people, many people. Uh, but through the work you do, what legacy do you plan on leaving behind? Mm. I think a pay it forward mentality or legacy through my kids. Uh, you know, I have three kids now, so they should be able to do half as much work I did in my lifetime together. No, I'm just kidding. No, they should be able <laughs> to multiply. Right. And they should, that mm-hmm. seed, my goal is that that seed moves the ball forward. Right. So my dad grew up on the streets of Philly, eating out of trash cans, shining shoes in the great depression. Right. And he got us to middle class. You know, he had his own small company. My mom was a nurse. So we had a good living. Were we wealthy? No, not at all. And it's not just money. It's wealth. It's really, for me, it's, you can't help anybody out of poverty. So if I'm a teacher and I'm not very smart, I have to be wealthy in knowledge and wisdom to be able to share it. I have to be wealthy in money if I want to be able to do something for orphans and widows or whatever, right? Like if I want to move money, anything that's in my life that I can have abundance right? Then I want to be able to try to share it. And so I want, I want that legacy to go through my kids and, and keep going. And then there'll be three of me out there. Right. And then if they have three, three or four, you see what I'm saying? So just that pay mm-hmm. it forward mentality. I think if people start you know, putting out a hand to help somebody instead of a hand to help themselves, I think we'll, we'll, we'll turn the tide quite a bit. And not that everybody's got a hand out. I, we need to help the people that need help. That's, that's a given. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about people that can produce that have maybe not been given an opportunity. We have a ladder in the United Mm -hmm. States we need to protect and that's the ladder of success or failure. And it's not perfect what we have, but if you go visit other countries, you can see a lot of, a a lot of things that we take for granted that I've taken for granted um, um, that people would love to have just as a given, you know, from running water to toilets to, a roof over their head, heating and air conditioning, access to shelves of food, you know, different types of toilet paper. I mean, just, you know, there's just so many basic, basic things that, um, that we have access to that I think, um, you know, just staying humble, I think is really important. And just thinking, think, being thankful for those things. Um, you don't have to walk around beating yourself, flogging yourself or anything like that. You just need to just like a head tilt to God or head tilt, you know, and just say, thank you. You know, that's perfect. That's perfect. Duplicating yourself to pay it forward. However, toilet paper is a touchy subject. I'm just going to say is. that. <laughs> it is, you know? So uh, my, my final question. Uh, so in today's world, many people struggle to find their purpose or meaning in life. What would be some advice that you would give to someone who is searching for their purpose or meaning? So they already are searching, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think, I think that's the most important thing is that your purpose doesn't have to be huge. I think people look for these big things, these big purposes. What's my arching purpose? Your purpose right now for me is to do the next thing I have in front of me and do it the best I can. Try to speak with positive words, right? Try not to 
make assumptions, try not to get offended, and do my best. And I think when you when you follow the four agreements and try to walk through that through your life, that opportunities probably could be passing you by that you're because you're looking for too big of a purpose. Your purpose is what's next. It's a step. It's like a staircase. I heard this a while back. There's like life's like a spiral staircase that you're going down and all you need to see is the next step. And so you need to take that step, take action. And it doesn't have to be for all of humanity. It just needs to be selfless. I think in nature, because I think if you put yourself first, you'll end up shooting yourself first, stepping on yourself first. So I think if it's got more of a selfless act, I'm not saying don't benefit from it. That's different. You know, for me, a win, win, win is, you know, whenever we do something in pulmonary, for instance, or in the clinic, patients first, then the caregiver who's at home or in the hospital, if it's pulmonary, right, we try to put them next or the DME or the home health care, then pulmonary, and then me. So if we can line those things up as best we can, we're, we're probably going to make the right decision. But if I put John in front of pulmonary, John in front of the patient, I'm hitting the wrong target. I think. And so once you start hitting targets other than myself when I was doing things, I think that clarifies a lot of pur- purpose will start to open up. I love I love that. I love that your purpose is what's next. Yeah. All you need is to see all you need to see is the next step. That was perfectly I think stated. we think too much about it. I think we put too much there's lots of books written about purpose driven life and this stuff and yeah, but you've got to take action and you just need to do what's in front of you and I think once you start doing that when you put a bunch of steps towards something and it's like, it feels good, looks good, smells good, tastes good. Then purpose starts to come from that. Well, thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for being a part of our show today. Now, if our listeners wanted to find out more about pulmonary or, or what you do, is there a way that they can look you up online or uh, reach out to you? Pulmonary.org uh, is, is probably the best place right now. Um, where I think we're doing, we're doing some stuff. We're doing some, we're bringing some stuff in from Turkey, some manufacturing stuff. So I've got, we're doing more of an e-commerce site now. So I'm not, I don't even know where we're at with that, but I have other people that are, that are on my team that are, that are helping me um, with manufacturing. We're starting to white label some stuff to bring into the U S for ventilation. So, but pulmonary.org is probably the best place. Um, I used to do some stuff on Facebook and I don't know if they're going to kind of get that going again, but you can look for me on Facebook. I think I went with Dr. Johnny Ray. R-A-U-I. And, and we'll add your contact information as well to our show notes. Yep. Cell phone, home address, all that stuff. You can put yeah, yeah all, all that fun stuff. <laughs> well, we thank you so much for uh, being a part of our show today, Dr. John Raimondo. We've gained much insight and, and a lot of takeaways that were truly valuable. Again, thank you for being a part of our show and have a great day. Thank you, brother. Balanced Purpose Podcast was created and hosted by me, Ray Trevino, and is produced and edited by Nick Galtney. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Check us out at balancedpurposepodcast.com and on Instagram at balancedpurposepodcast. Remember, finding your purpose is a journey, not a destination, and it takes time and effort to achieve balance. Make it a great day.